This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. All right, guys, back here on Southeastern 14 with Max Barr. It is uh, our weekly SEC basketball power rankings. Uh, and, Max, these are always an adventure. As we compile our entire staff's composite rankings, or, you know, their, their individual rankings into a composite ranking to figure out where we're going to put these teams. Last week Last week was the, the toughest set of power rankings we've probably ever done in the history of Southeastern 14 in any sport. Uh, because we just did not know where to put these teams. I think there's a little more clarity this week in terms of separating some of these teams, but as you'll see, there's still not much that does separate uh, some teams in certain spots. But we'll get those teams here in a second. But before we do, let's tell you, as always, about our friends over at Bet Online. Uh, all the major sports are in action this week with the college football playoff ready to kick off soon. As you guys know, all the coverage here on Southeastern 14 of that. Uh, and of course, Bet Online continues to be your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, NHL games this season. They've got it all. So head over to the website today. That's betonline.ag and get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. And remember, use that promo code BLEAV, B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Max. We start, as always, um, at the bottom of the power rankings, and that hasn't really changed, uh, I feel like, in a couple weeks at least now in the Vanderbilt Commodores. Sit here at number 14. Um, you know, the net ranking, not kind to the Commodores right now. All the, the computer metrics, not really kind to them as well. But they're four and five. What what else do you say? Um, you know, they beat UNC Greensboro. Uh, that is pretty much it in terms of their, you know, resume through nine games. And we talked about some of the games they've lost. Uh, and of course we've also talked about, they haven't really had a full team until now, it seems, um, and head into a big game against Texas tech, because again, we're kind of at the point now where Vanderbilt, where you got to start finding some wins somewhere. If you're going to sort of turn your season around and not going to be easy with Texas tech and Memphis, two of their next four games leading into to the sec play here. Yeah. Uh, you look at the last five games, one and four in the last five, haven't really had a decent victory since November 14th against Greensboro, if you want to call it that. Um, so been a bit of a slow month here in Vandy town. Uh, but I will, I will say this. If they're going to turn it around, it's going to be these next two weeks before conference play here. Cause they've got a few opportunities, Texas tech, Memphis, they have two very winnable games against Western Carolina and Dartmouth. So if they can steal three, they can beat one of Texas Tech or Memphis. Might be able to turn this season around. But just going back to Stackhouse in his last press conference, just was not happy with Tyron Lawrence's effort at all. Yanked them right away, benched them. Was not happy with Lubin's uh, rebounding and rim protection. So we'll see how this team responds, okay? Because Stack was, was not happy after that San Fran game, and this team has got to have a bounce back here. They haven't played in 10 days. So we'll see. I was going to say, too, and the more you look at the schedule and the SEC schedule in particular, they do not have a very kind SEC schedule because they open against Alabama at home. 
They have back-to-back road games at LSU and Ole Miss, which, you know, LSU, like, okay, that's a winnable game, but it's on the road. Um, you know, and then it's like Mississippi State. That could be winnable, maybe, but that's on the road, too. And you've also got Auburn twice in there, Tennessee. And you keep looking down the schedule, and I'm just like, man, they, they don't have the easiest SEC schedule at all. Yes, you get to play LSU twice if we're looking at teams right now, which we'll talk about LSU in a second. But, you know, playing South Carolina, you know, playing Georgia, uh, they only get Georgia once, which I think, you know, Georgia's going to be ranked ahead of them in our power rankings, right? So it's not like Vanderbilt is ranked ahead of any of these teams, but I just don't love the way their SEC schedule sets up, at least on paper right now. So we'll see how it plays out for the Commodores. They are number 14 this week in the power rankings. All right, LSU stays at 13 as well. Uh, no movement here for the Tigers, who are 5-4. and four. Coming off that loss to Kansas State where we just kind of said, hey, this is, I think, kind of where – and the thing is, if you look at LSU as a whole, it's like, okay, they've got a, a pretty semi-nice win against Wake Forest. You know, they won that game against North Texas. Sure, you beat up on some other teams that you should beat up on, but then it's just like, you know, you get blown out against Syracuse. You, you know, get beat by 15 against Kansas State. And I think we've kind of said offensively, it's going to be a grind again for the Tigers. And I think that's pretty much um, where things stand right now. Not They're not the greatest defensive team either, but offensively, I just think it could be a, a challenge for them against top-tier competition. I think it's going to be a challenge on – pretty much both ends of the court for this LSU team. I don't really see a spot that they're excelling at right now, except maybe forcing, forcing some turnovers on defense. Um, But yeah, I mean, just have not showed me anything as of late past two weeks have been brutal, Um, but they do have a matchup here on a neutral floor against Texas uh, coming up on Saturday. So if there's ever a time and Texas is not Texas from last year, it's not Chris Beard's top five team with, Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen and all these 28-year-olds. It's a kind of a down year for Texas. So if they want to bounce back here, they have an opportunity. I just don't think – I don't think they got much going on for them. Um, it might be a rough – it might be a rough few weeks here for LSU. You know, I'm going to be honest with you here. Georgia's at 12. They do not feel like, you know, the 12th team in the SEC, right? Like, they, they feel better than that. Yeah, um, definitely. Because, you know, it's funny because last week our whole stuff was like, hey – who are the teams that don't have bad losses, right? Like that's that's what we had to go on. But like Georgia, they're six and three and they don't have a bad loss, really. I mean, they they've lost to Oregon, you know, Miami, Providence, those aren't bad teams by any means. And so, you know, they've beaten Wake Forest, they beat Florida State. Of course, they just got the win against Georgia Tech, who would come off back to back wins against Duke and Mississippi State. So I can understand there's some Georgia fans who are like, hey, we don't think we should be this, you know, kind of far down. But I do think when you compare it maybe to some of the teams that are in front of them, neutral court. Georgia's probably still the underdog against most teams in the SEC. Uh, even again, I, I think they're building some momentum here. And I don't know, is this, you know, does this kind of speak to where the SEC's at? I know we've talked about the ups and downs of the league so far, but, you know, if Georgia's number 12, that's not a bad team right now. And, you know, maybe getting back to full strength and soon enough. And again, four winnable games here on the, the slate before they kick off SEC play at Missouri on the 6th of January. And so, I don't know, Max. I maybe maybe got Georgia too low here, but don't blame us. But uh, it's composite ranking. But um, I don't know. They, they don't feel like number twelve to me. I get that same feeling too. You know, and that's just because they haven't. You look at their resume, and you can't knock them for any real bad loss. You know, yeah. so you're, and you can do that with quite a few SEC teams right now. Um, but also, I mean, you can argue. You know, a win is a win. They were down seventeen against Florida State. Came back. Um, they still fought through and won that game. I'll give them credit. And then Georgia Tech was riding high. 
um, and they spanked they, they they ran Georgia Tech out of the building, sixteen. So, um, this is what I'll say about Georgia: when you watch them, the offense just looks just doesn't have the the pop to it. I mean, they're in uh, Ken Palm right now, two point percentage offense and three point percentage offense. They're outside the top two hundred in both. Now, I don't know how true those percentages are gonna are gonna stay, but that can just give you an idea. This the team's struggling to shoot. Team is struggling to shoot. Um, they've only reached 80 points three times. One of those was the loss to, or no, two times, excuse me, only reached 80 points two times. So they do have a nice four game stretch here. I think they went all four. They, they should win all four high point is probably gonna be the toughest out of the four here coming up next. Um, so can definitely go into conference play here, riding an eight game win streak. Um, but I just got to see a little bit more from the offense rather than just like, have Noah Thomason running around trying to create, and then Abdul Rahim hits a three. You know, I just I need more consistency on offense until I move these guys up, up the rankings. All right, number eleven, Missouri. Um, I'm curious with Missouri. Like, you know, I'm sure I was the high man on Missouri this week. I have no doubt. Everyone knows the Dennis Gates guy over here, but um, I'm curious where we would have them, where everyone would rank them in their individual rankings. Had they not lost the game to Jackson State. Like, I'm just, I'm very curious if they would be a couple spots higher here, um, maybe several spots higher in front of some of these teams we're going to talk about in a second. Because I, I do feel like this is where we start to get into sort of the not a lot that separates maybe the next yep. four, even yep. five teams. Um, and so it probably does start here, I think, to me with Missouri. And so, you know, they, they get the short end of the stick here at number 11. But um, like we said, I didn't, you know, they just kind of ran into to Kansas in a road game, which a lot of teams just kind of run into Kansas when you're on the road playing that game, uh, you know, in Allen Fieldhouse. And so, but before that, you know, four straight wins, got a nice one at Pitt, uh, beat Wichita State, took care of business there. Um, again, no, no, just elite wins on the schedule to this point yet. Um, and like we said, you know, didn't play well against Memphis, didn't play well for a good stretch against Kansas, winds up being a nine point game. And then you just have the Jackson, Jackson State game just sticks out like a sore thumb, right? And if you just take that out, Missouri's probably several spots higher. But here's where they are. And as I've said, for really since the start of the season, I mean, we're a month in now. Uh, Missouri is still a work in progress. Like they are a team that I think is still trying to figure some things out on both sides of the floor. Um, you know, you talk about a team that just hasn't really excelled in one particular area yet. I don't know if there's just one thing that you just stand out and say, wow, they just wow you there. Um, whereas last year, that was kind of different, right? Where they could just force turnovers. They were hitting shots. The offense was so good. Um, they're, they're still figuring some things out in a lot of areas, but, you know, not, not a bad place to be right now, I think, uh, sitting at 7-3. and three. Yeah, I I think if Caleb Grill doesn't go down, we have them we have them up a few yeah. spots. Um, that really – that's a big blow. I mean, he just had his second career double-double against Wichita. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's leading the team in rebounding. If he's not leading the team in rebounding on numbers, he is on rebounding rate percentage on uh, Ken Palm. So, I mean, he just does a lot for the team, uh, plays really hard. And uh, you don't know what you're going to get out of D John Tanjay now. I mean, in the offseason, we were pretty high on this guy uh, coming in as a transfer, and he's just no clue, no clue what's going on. So he's healthy. He's available. I think we see more Tamar Bates definitely. But if Tanjay can step in here, they don't – maybe this Caleb Grill loss isn't so much. No clue how long he's going to be out. Um, but yeah, this game against Illinois, Blake on a neutral floor 
could just make us be like, why did we have them at 11? They just fought with Kansas till the very end, beat Wichita, beat Pitt, and now they're here against battling against Illinois. So we have them at 11, but good 11. Yeah. You know, they said that that Seton Hall game sandwiched in between two, I think, is an interesting one because they can win that one. Um, you know, Seton Hall is five and four. They pretty much lost all the teams you think they would lose to. They've beaten the teams they should beat. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, certainly a good opportunity, I think, for Missouri to win that one. But because that one's in Kansas City. Uh, but, yeah, this these are two important games coming up next for them. Yeah, for sure. So. All right, we move on to number 10, Mississippi State. And again, if Mississippi State is at full strength with Toulouse-Smith, we have them much higher is my guess. But the fact is you kind of have to knock a team, you know, for the Southern loss. I mean, that was just one where, you know, again, that one's just there. Um, Had they just lost the game to Georgia Tech, they would be higher, but they lost the home game to Southern. And, you know, that has to, I guess, account for something in terms of how you quantify some of these losses. But then they bounce back, as we talked about, Yesterday, with a just blowout win, 106-76 over Tulane, put up 106 points there uh, for the Bulldogs. I don't look; they're number ten in our rankings. I don't, I'm, I can't say like I'm just that concerned with Mississippi State right now because I don't think I am. Uh, because knowing they're going to get to lose Smith back soon enough, we know the other guys have stepped up like Josh Hubbard and such. Um, so they may be number ten right now, but I would say this sort of feels like a just hey, you're here for now, but. We fully expect you to start moving on up here pretty soon. Okay, so check this out. Last year's San Diego State team finished in Ken Palm. Fourth in defense, fourth overall defense, 75th in offense. Kind of put that in your mind on how the team plays. Right now, for Mississippi State, their defense is third. So San Diego State was fourth, Mississippi State third. Their offense is 105th. San Diego State's was 75th. You add in Tolu Smith, I bet that jumps up to around 75. I am not worried at all with this team. I think you get Tolu Smith back, coming down the stretch, the offense starts to get a little better, the defense goes absolutely nowhere, and you're looking at a nasty 5-6-7-8 seed that no one is going to want to play. I'm not worried about Mississippi State at all. Yeah, I think they're going to be fine. Um, yep. The computers still love them. The metrics love them. Again, we don't do these rankings based on metrics, but they all still love this Mississippi State team. Um, and so I think they'll be moving up quickly here. Um, yeah, I just they've got four winnable games until they, they start conference play at South Carolina uh, on January 6th. So, all right, number nine. Now, this is where I will tell you, looking at our rankings and our composite and the, the numbers that we have um, by each of these, this is where like there was pretty much one vote that separated the next three teams. And we'll start with the first team on this one. That's Arkansas at number nine. Now, again, would any of us um, have thought Arkansas would be at number nine right now? No, I just don't think I would have thought that to this point, but it's like, can you justify it? Sure you can, because I mean, they beaten Duke. What else do we have to go on to this point, right? I mean, and that's not, you know, we're not trying to poke fun here, but like it is true. Like when you're starting to compare these teams, and I can understand looking at some of our, you know, staff individual rankings, I'm like, I can see why Arkansas got put here because, you know, it is. You, you have the Duke game to go on. You've beaten a Stanford team in overtime who, you know, is four and four right now. Um, not a great team. The Oklahoma game, uh, no, you know, didn't play out well. The North Carolina game didn't play out well. Memphis game, the Greensboro game. And like we said, even before that, you know, some of the games they won, there was 
some obvious, you know, concerns there, I think, in terms of how they were playing. So, yeah, I say all that to tell you, Max, and I'm going to kind of echo what I just said about Mississippi State. Am I concerned about Arkansas? Nah, I don't know that I'm that concerned, really. I mean, I just, again, I, I'm going to put the benefit of the doubt in Eric Musselman because he's done this time and time again. We've got enough of a sample size now to know that eventually he's able to push the right buttons. He's done it, you know, with the past however many teams. And so the next part of their schedule gets, I don't want to call it easy because again, these are some tricky games. Like these yeah. are still, these yeah. are non-conference, or excuse me, these are mid-major games and they're non-conference games, but these are teams that, you know, you can't just walk in the gym and, and beat necessarily. Um, without playing somewhat well. And so, because again, UNC Wilmington's on there. But yeah, Arkansas's at nine. And like I said, I, I'd be stunned if they're at nine, you know, a month from now. But to this point, there's just not a lot you can go off of with Arkansas except that Duke win. And, you know, they played 10 games. And if that's all you've got, I can see why they're below some of these other teams right now. Yeah, important to note, power rankings as of current status, not end of season predictions. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no. take out the three, the three opening, opening wins. Cause all those teams are outside the top 200 Alcorn state Gardner Webb and an old dominion. Okay. You take out those three past seven games. They're three and three and four. Got a win over Stanford. No T went over Duke at home and Furman lost the other four. So it's like, you know, team hasn't showed me much. Um, am I worried? No, but one thing that they need to do is figure out, Okay. Brazil's not shooting it tonight. Battle's not shooting it tonight. Okay, how do we win? Because right now, I don't know how. Right now, I don't know how. When Brazil's not shooting and, and Battle's not on the floor, it just turns into uh, who can dribble the ball out of the air or the air out of the ball. You know, who can dribble the most? Because there's just so much isolation offense on this. When they come into SEC play, I'm a little bit worried for that ISO offense. But Musk usually figures it out like he has. Just uh, right now, they're struggling a little bit. I mean, the offense has been, it's been a talking point the past couple of years in yeah. terms of like, like you said, sometimes you just, they hit a wall offensively and it doesn't feel like there's a lot of, you know, rhythm or, or flow there. And yeah. yeah, you've seen that already sometimes this season. So um, they'll have to, to fix that. But again, I'm not ready to go into full on panic mode with Arkansas just yet. One reason I'm not worried at all is that block rate, Blake, that block yeah, rate at good. the rim is not going anywhere. Yeah, I think they'll get better. They're going to get better defensively, I would think. Um, yeah. Offensively, we'll see. Like you said, we're going to see who steps up uh, there for them. So, all right. Like I said, one vote separated number nine, number eight, and number seven. Number eight winds up being Florida. Um, the Gators, I mean, I think the Gators are another one of those teams that – Similar to like I feel like I've said this the past couple of weeks. I'm like, I still don't know where to put Florida. <laughs> like, and, and I think part of that is, like we talked about with some other SEC teams, is you just haven't had enough games with the full team yet. Like, you know, we finally got them back right against Richmond, but it's like, you just had, you don't have, there are very few SEC teams to this point that I feel like you've been able just to put your team out there that if we're projecting ahead and saying, could this be a team that wins a game in the NCAA tournament? We haven't been able to kind of make that projection with a lot of teams yet, just because it doesn't feel like everyone's had everybody available. And so, you know, Florida, maybe finally getting everyone ready to go. And again, Florida is kind of one of those teams that, they don't really have anything bad on the resume. I mean, we could say the Wake Forest lost by 11 is bad, but again, you have to remember you're missing some players or who was, who didn't play hand logs and didn't play in that game. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, so again, it's like, you kind of have to decide what you're going to weigh here, but 
I still think Florida is an NCAA tournament team. They're six and three right now. Um, and again, I think at full strength, they have a good chance to win their their last four non-conference games here. And they start SEC play with a huge game against Kentucky and Gainesville. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this is their eight right now, but another, like you said, sort of similar in that I feel like Florida's better than eighth, but we just don't have a lot to go on just yet. Yeah, okay. So coming up here next week, got Michigan on uh, next week, actually, Tuesday, December 19th. If they get through Eastern Carolina and then – beat Michigan handily I'm putting I'm moving this team up a few spots it's just we haven't had that game yet with Pullen and Hanlokton where they play a really good team and we see what Florida is all about at full strength uh you look good during, against Richmond but you don't you don't really dominate you know you just look good you win the game which you know you can't take anything away from them um you win that Baylor game though lose by four if you win that Baylor game that changes a lot that changes a lot because Baylor's what top 10, top five. Um, I'm not panicking or anything with Florida. I'm not even worried about them. Uh, just show me what this team looks like at full strength with Pullen and Hanlockton in it. And then we can, then we can talk about, about how many, how many games this team might win in March and whatnot, because they get through East Carolina and Michigan. They're beating Grambling state and Quinnipiac. They're going into conference play on a six game win streak with a little bit of momentum at full strength. So just monitor Florida right now because they might take off. We've been we've been talking about this high ceiling and it's it's starting to come to fruition. We're gonna see it here pretty soon. All right. So finally, my my goal of getting this team into the top half of our SEC power rankings for the first time this season. It it, it worked. I was the high man on this team, and we finally got them into the top seven. And that is the South Carolina Gamecocks, who, as we all know, started at number 14 in a consensus number 14 to start the season in our staff power rankings. Everyone had them at number 14. Well, here we are, nine games in for South Carolina. They've made it halfway to the top uh, as they are number seven. And again, we, we talked about it last week after the Clemson game. We just said, hey, it's a five-point loss. It's a disappointing loss for South Carolina. But I'm I'm in on the Gamecocks at this point, and we I mentioned as the East Carolina game on Saturday is tricky. It's a road game. Uh, I know they only won by six, but I I feel really good about where this team is right now. And you know we talk about non-conference schedules. They got four coming up at home. Knock on wood, um, they should win all those because they're going to be the favorite in all of them. Um, but yeah, man, I mean I I feel like I've talked about South Carolina more than anybody. I don't know what else to really say, but. I'm, I know they don't have, you know, everybody's gonna say, well, their best win at this point is what probably Grand Canyon, maybe Virginia Tech. I get it. But if you just watch them play, like I'm telling you, I just think that they are, there is a confidence there with this group. Um, and I think matchup wise, like those four guys I always talk about, Michi Johnson, BJ Mack, Miles Studi, um, Delon Cooper. And then you've got, you know, some other guys contributing off the bench as we know, whether it's right, um, guys like that. I just, I don't know, man. I, I think this team is equipped to do some things in SEC play if, you know, if they keep doing what they've been doing. So this is a hard team to beat. I've watched, I think the only game I have not watched is the VMI game of this, of this team. BJ Mack's different difference maker. And now I'm going to make a little bit of an analogy and it's a, it's a huge stretch, but just bear with me. You know how, when they dump, when Purdue dumps it down to Edie, it's either double or you're going to probably give him a score. It's not like that with BJ Mack, but 
he is so big, so physically imposing that he almost requires that double. And the shooting on this team is lights out. We talked about it in our reaction video yesterday. They're averaging, I think, over 12 threes a game in their past three games. Um, so the team just plays well and they're hard to beat. The spacing on offense is is very fun to watch. And I would argue their best result is that loss at Clemson because yeah. they were winning, they were winning most of that game and they looked good. It wasn't they weren't just hanging on, you know, Clemson would go up by five and then they'd hit two threes out of nowhere and it's a game again. No, like they were they were they were battling right there with Clemson. And in my opinion, Clemson is top 25 team, top 20 team. Uh, and I was on the road, first two road game. So this team's proven it to me. They've done it. They've proven it. They've won the games they were supposed to. Uh, they lost the only one that we thought they wouldn't. What more do you want from this team? I like them. Give them top half. Let's go. Hey, they got three votes in the AP poll this week. So um, everybody knows my issues with the AP poll, but I'm going to I'm gonna use it as a as a reference point for this week just to give South Carolina three votes. I ought to give them more than three. Um, but, yeah. So that's, you know, again, I, I just they look good. I think that they do. They look good. So. We'll see if they can continue uh, to make their move there. So, all right, now we get to the top six. And this is, again, where things kind of get a little interesting because the next three teams were all separated by a single vote. Uh, and that is four through six here. We go to six, Texas A&M. And look, again, I, you know, I think, again, we can use the excuse with A&M where it's like, we really haven't seen their full team. Um, it feels like for a while and we kind of got them against Memphis, but again, I think you have to keep in mind it's Radford's first game back in what, four or five games. Um, you know, and so I don't know if it's fair just to completely judge him off of that. And as you said too, I think there's a randomness aspect when it comes to, to basketball and three point shooting. And I just don't think you're going to have Taylor and Radford go a combined over 14 in many games this season. Um, so Sure, give Memphis some credit for that, but I just don't think that's going to happen. And you said, too, you know, maybe there's not a lot of David Jones performances where the guy just goes off and does that. So the thing is, right, like we, we talk about, there's no bad losses. A&M's lost to FAU, Virginia, Memphis. Now, the Virginia one was ugly, but again, you can use the built-in excuse of there was no Radford in that game. Um, so, so again, A&M's kind of a, a team that's hard to rank because, in all honesty, they're probably, in my opinion, not the sixth team. They're prior than that. Uh, but at the same time, you're like, well. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This is what we have to go on, and I can see them sliding down to this spot, even though I'd be a little more surprised probably if AM slides down any further than this, maybe the rest of the season, just to be honest with you. So I'll be honest. I really like Texas AM coming up here against Houston. I know I was saying a preview, but I'm just looking at the schedule and I'm you lost three of your last five because Radford wasn't out there. I'm not going to use that as a whole excuse, but when you play at Virginia against the best guard defender in the country and you don't have your two guard, that makes a big difference. Um, and also, thank you for bringing up David Jones. 
in the randomness because I tell you right now, if Texas A&M and Memphis play again today, Taylor and Radford are not combining 0 of 14 from three, and David Jones is not scoring 20 points in the first 30 seconds again. So that's kind of a weird, weird result also. Um, I'm not pan- I know some people are panicking on Texas A&M. And hey, Blake, I was low on Texas A&M preseason. Yeah. I didn't really like this club. I like them, okay? Because Anderson Garcia is a dog. Washington's a dog. They have they got the bench. I didn't think they had the bench. They have the bench. Now they're getting healthy. Let's see what this team has against Houston. Because I'm telling you right now, Buzz Williams is gonna have these guys playing like it's the Super Bowl with how big they need this win. Yeah. Huge opportunity for Texas A&M, um, you know, yeah, because again, we talked about kind of the, they certainly scheduled a lot too for, tougher in the non-conference this season, and it kind of culminates with this Houston This game. is their last chance. This is their last chance to pick up a, a huge, huge win, which yep. would be, um, yeah, for sure, for the Aggies. So, all right, Texas A&M at six, and we talked about one vote separating them, and number five, the Ole Miss Rebels, who... Whoa. I think wind up being in the top five for the first time this season. And I know what people are going to say. Well, look at all the computer metrics. They don't like Ole Miss. Um, You know, they're still way down on Ole Miss. They're not buying because what have we said about Ole Miss, right? It's they win a lot of close games. Like it's, you talk about a team that's hard to place. They're nine and oh, but my goodness, like if you just keep going down the list, right? It's Detroit Mercy by one, Sam Houston State by three, Temple by one, Memphis by three, UCF by two. They have won a lot of close games, but you know what? As I mentioned, sometimes, you know, it's better to be, you know, lucky than good, right? I mean, it's maybe they've had a few bounces go their way, but at the same time, as we said, they are now building up a confidence and sort of a a habit at this point where they just keep doing the right things at the right time to find ways to win these games. And if you're going to say, well, they're only beating teams by a couple points here or there. You're the high man on Ole Miss, but I'm going to give you my response to that. Okay. Do they have a loss that they shouldn't have anywhere? Because there's a lot of SEC teams to this point that do have losses that they should not have on their resume to this point. Ole Miss does not have any. Zero. So we can absolutely justify, I think, putting them this high. Um, And some may think they should be higher. But again... We can pick apart. (laughs) It's it's interesting because we do power rings, right? Like you can argue different points for different teams. But like if you're going to say, well, there's no way they'd beat this team and that team. We can say that, but they've beaten everybody on their schedule. They don't have the bad losses like some of the even, you know, some upper tier teams that we still have to talk about have have some losses that they shouldn't have. But Ole Miss has beaten everybody. And so including Memphis, who was three and one against the SEC and you know, their only losses to the Rebels. So I'll let you have the floor here to um, filibuster even more for your Rebels here, Max. Hey, I mean, I thought they were going to be good. I didn't think they were going to be this good. I've watched every <laughs> single minute of every single game, okay? <laughs> Those first few games. Max they did, they look, the coaching staff. Like he's, he's just, they he's they looked like a completely different team. Yeah, They look completely different. They did I watched that. You you go to Ole Miss's schedule, okay, and you look at some of those first results. That Detroit game on the 14th compared to the UCF game two days ago, not the same team. I don't even know what I was looking at in the first few weeks. This team has changed so much. I was talking about this with my roommate the other night. We were talking about Kansas basketball, and it kind of, it kind of made me think of Ole Miss. When you think of Kansas, they really don't have a bench. But you got Dickinson, Adams, McCuller, and Dewan Harris. 
as your top four guys. Those top four can match up with any top four in the country. Now, I'm just, they don't have a lot of depth, but that's a great top four. Now, look at Ole Miss. You got Cissé, Brakefield, Morrell, and Flanagan, and then Juju Murray with TJ Caldwell off the bench. That six right there, I'm telling you right now, that six is just about as good as a six as you're going to get anywhere. You know, they don't really have the, the depth, but if all if those six guys are averaging like 28 minutes plus, you're not going to need the depth for right now until you, you know, kind of develop Jamarian Sharp a little bit more, maybe Rashad Marshall. But I'm telling you right now, I've watched every one of these games, and those six guys are just about as good as anyone else's six. Um, they're favored in their next four non-conference games, and then it's going to get tough here in, in SEC play. We're really going to see what this team is made of. But, man, you just you got to give the benefit of the doubt to Chris Beard. He's, he's taking this team from nothing to something in one offseason. So we'll, we'll see when the competition steps up, not jumping the gun too much. But, man, that, that top six for Ole Miss is, is a really good top six. Yeah, which it will step up in their first SEC game. They're at Tennessee. Exactly. Uh, That's to start I was... things yeah. off. Yeah. So um, <laughs> great, great first test for the Rebels uh, there in that Ooh. one. So, all right. Uh, we get to number four. And again, one vote separated them and Ole Miss. And number four is Alabama, uh, the Crimson Tide. And just going to kind of spoil it that the top three were unanimous, not in the same order, but uh, the top three teams were unanimous across the board. So, Oh, interesting. I think uh, note there, but Alabama does wind up at four. And you know that's the thing, right? With Alabama, it's okay. Sort of a similar argument where you're like, okay, they've lost to Purdue, Clemson yep. and Ohio state. Um, these are not bad teams. And so, you know, that's kind of what you have there, but I think you can also look at it and say, well, they beat Oregon. They've beaten Indiana state, which I think I, I said going in, you know, they're nine and one now. Like, I was like, this is not a bad Indiana State team. Like, that's why I think we started to sort of change our opinion a little bit on Alabama, maybe um, after that game, because you're like, I didn't think that was a bad Indiana State team. They just ran out of the gym by 22. Um, and so, you know, Alabama has that going for them. But, you know, again, it does feel like the three biggest opportunities they've not taken advantage of, even though they've had their opportunities to win those games. Um, you know, obviously got out to a great start against Purdue, had their chances against Clemson. You know Ohio State, th those kind of scenarios, but I still just think from a talent standpoint, like it's hard to place Alabama much further down because they are so good offensively. Um, they're just you know they're the best there is in terms of how they're playing on that side of the floor. They're giving up points. We all know that. There's no need to keep going back to it. But this is where I think it's so crucial that if you're Alabama and you really, if we want to really be able to start to form a sort of clear picture on what we think Alabama can be. Just find a way to win one of these next two games. Just either beat Creighton or beat Arizona. Um, you know, or maybe we end up saying, hey, they played well in both of them. They they lose by two or three in both these games. Then even at that point, you're like, well, it's a loss, but I feel a little bit better about this. Um, so yeah, like this is, th these are two interesting games. I think that are really sort of, I don't even want to say maybe give us a better idea of what we think Alabama is going to be. Cause I think this is kind of what Alabama is going to be sure. They'll get better. It's a long season. Um, they'll get better in certain areas. They may not be as consistent in other areas, you know, may not put up the same amount of points, but still, I mean, it's, it is hard to keep them outside of like the top five because I just talent wise, it's there offensively. They're just going to beat some teams by outscoring them. Um, and that's the name of the game, right? <laughs> to score more points than the other team. And, 
they do a pretty good job of that more often than not. It's just, you know, they've, they've had some lapses defensively and that's led to those three losses. So. Yeah. I mean, if you want to knock Alabama for going to Toronto with a banged up Grant Nelson and losing by six, yeah. go for it. Cause I'm not going to do that. I thought they fought hard. I thought it was a grit. I thought, see where we rewind to LSU where I haven't seen a pulse for weeks. This Alabama team wants it. You know, they, they were fighting their butt off against Purdue and uh, they have two more opportunities where they can finally get that marquee win. This is what I'll say about Alabama. And I'm glad you brought it up because we keep harping on different stuff and we're like, just wait till it improves. You know, maybe this is just the kind of play style and the, the, the kind of team this is going to be. And that's fine. That's fine uh, because they have the number one offense in the nation. You, know, yeah. you can you you can afford to have a have a few areas not be that good when you have the number one offense in the nation, and it's kind of by far how good they are. Um, and what and another thing I'll say is, I mean, you've gone through a murderer's row of front courts. Yeah, yeah. Ohio State, Clemson, Purdue. Now you got Cray in Arizona. If there's a team that's gonna and even be, Oregon too, right? Like Oregon, I mean, <laughs> there's gonna so. be a team that's gonna be battle tested in the front court and and kind of you know, ready to take on a challenge come conference play, this Alabama team. And you know how down I've been on them all offseason. This offense is too good, man. They're not going to lose bad games with this offense. You're going to really have to beat this team to beat them. Yeah, to go back to the Dennis quote, Dennis Gates quote, I think I used, uh, you know, earlier in the year during the uh, summer we were previewing teams. It's like, sure, they could have won the rebounding battle last year against teams, or they could have just been okay with winning the 25 games. And so it's like with Alabama, sure, they may give up 85 to a lot of teams, but they'll be good with scoring 90 and, and winning 20-something games. So, you know, it's it's fine. So that's just, again, all you have to do is outscore your opponent. We can pick apart certain things and be like, oh, they need to be better there. But at the end of the day, you just have to outscore your opponent. If you give up 95 and you score 96, you're okay. So, um, yeah. It's okay. It's a but, fun yeah, team. Hey, I'm for it. It's fun. Yeah, it's you know. So again, these we've said it. Two huge games coming up: Creighton, Arizona, both away from home. Um, if they can get one of these, huge, huge, huge for Alabama. So, all right. As I said, top three were consensus. We all had the same in the top three. We had different orders, but um, this is kind of where things stood. And I, I also think consensus in terms of Auburn was the number three team. Like uh, we had different orders at one and two, but Auburn was number three. And I think this is an interesting one because, you know, Auburn, you know, like we said earlier with some teams, it's like they don't have like the just completely dominant elite type win by any means. But like when you see what they did against Indiana, which I know Indiana struggled, you know, they took care of business by double digits against Indiana, double digits against Virginia Tech, double digits against St. Bonaventure. Those are technically the three best teams they played at this point. But those were all just convincing wins. Right. And. You know, we go back to the game against Baylor. I know that was the game, first game of the season where, like, felt like they should have won that game. They didn't, but they had every chance and, quite honestly, probably should have won the game. Um, just that last stretch, Baylor made a run. And then the App State game, it's like, well, you know, how you have to knock them because it's a loss. But like we said, too, it's like, how much do you knock them? Because I don't know how many teams, and you said this, would have went in there in that scenario and again, even scheduled the game in the first place because we've seen there are not a lot of teams that, that will schedule that game. Um, and they did, and they lost. But I still think you're seeing some things with Auburn that the defense has gotten so much better. Gosh, you think about the conversation we had to start the season, and we're like, oh, boy. 
defensively, they better get better. Um, because you know, you could see in the Baylor game, even the second half, maybe in this, I don't know. I remember Bruce Pearl talking about it kind of early in those first couple games. But like their defense has gotten so much better. Their offense is <laughs> it's one game, right? Like we said, I, I made the joke. I'm like, oh, Auburn's gonna hit at least 14 threes in every game the rest of the way. Um, probably not gonna happen. I think there's still gonna be a little bit of a work in progress on offense, but I can see why maybe, you know, everyone on the staff wound up putting them in the top three just because, you know, I mean, it, they, I think they're, they're okay right now. Like, and I know it's good coming off the Appalachian state game, which was what less than a week ago or a little over a week ago now. Um, but maybe that Indiana game sort of gives you a, a, a big step back in the right direction, even if it's not your traditional Indiana team. I might get some pushback for this, but I would I would go as far to say that going to Appalachian State for your first true road game is a tougher game than playing Indiana on a neutral court right now. I can um, see that. Yeah. You know, so just don't knock them at all for that five loss, that five point loss at App State. I mean, I hate I hate analytics this early in the season, but App State and Indiana are only separated by 10 in the analytics right now. So and let's Very keep in good. mind, Max, they they did that with Janai Broom having the most un-Janai Broom-like yep. game with two points. Like, yeah. they put up 104 with him scoring two points. <laughs> so. Another thing with this Auburn team is I just don't know what team to expect. What team is going to go out there? Is it the team that's going to go five for 43 from three over the past two games? Or is it gonna are they going to have 25 assists and only two turnovers? Somewhere in the middle, I guess. Um, if it's somewhere in the middle, this team will be just fine. Okay? They have the front court, and that's what's going to drive this team as long as the back court continues to develop. And, hey, if they only are turning the ball over two three times a game, they're not going to lose many games. Um, no panic with this team after the App State loss. Don't even knock them for that at all. Auburn continues to roll here. They've got a big game coming up against uh, USC on Sunday. Big game, and that'll kind of if they win that one, they'll probably yep. stay in the top three, is my guess, unless perhaps Alabama gets the win over uh Creighton, and that could jump the tide, I think, ahead. Because I don't, I don't, again, I don't think there's a lot to separate these two teams now. Of course, I know which two teams I'm talking about when I say that, and there may be fan bases that do think there is a lot that separates those two, but we'll see. Uh, we're 10 games into the season, trust me, we're not taking this too seriously just no. yet. All right, to the top two, we go. Uh, number two winds up being Kentucky, which you guys know, obviously, that means. Number one is going to be Tennessee. Um, so, you know, I guess, Max, let's just talk about these two teams in a tandem because – Can we call it 1A, 1B? Can we call them yeah, together? I mean, I, technically, I think they may have actually – we may have had a tie, but I think we went to the tiebreaker and Tennessee got the tiebreaker on this. So we're going to call them 1A and 1B because I think that's right um, yeah. based on these two teams. You know, if we start with Kentucky, look, it's the same thing, right? You take out the Wilmington game – Kentucky's probably number one right now in the power rankings. Just I'm just guessing that. I'm not. I can't speak for everyone who you know fills out our prestigious ballot here on the Southeastern 14 power rankings. But my guess is they probably are still number one, even though I think Tennessee certainly makes a strong case because the thing we kept talking knocking Tennessee for was like, well, how far do we move them down based on the fact that they lost three games in a row to Purdue, Kansas, and North Carolina, who are all you know elite teams, uh, and you really knock them for that. Well, the Wisconsin win on the roads looking even better now. The Illinois win was huge. So Tennessee's got what a lot of teams in the SEC don't have, and that is multiple top-tier type wins. Uh, and so I think you can kind of counter some of the losses with that, knowing that you have a couple of those big wins like that. 
And remember, this is the team that we thought going into the season was the best team in the league. Uh, and I don't know that there's a lot, in my opinion, that's changed that. Like I said, even after the, the, the three-game losing streak, I was still probably the person that was like, yeah, I still think maybe they're the best team in the league, even though they're on a three-game losing streak. And I think the Illinois win kind of helps me sort of bump them back into that number one spot. Although, um, may, maybe I'll let you make the argument for Kentucky because now that Kentucky is at full strength and we've kind of seen that, um, yeah, like I think this big game coming up against North Carolina, Kentucky wins that one, then maybe we just continue to flip-flop these two teams here, Tennessee and Kentucky at one and two. I think it's right to group these teams together at the top. I think they've separated themselves. Uh, Tennessee, if you watch that Illinois game and you've been watching Tennessee the previous games, Ziegler and Vescovy, something something switched. Something happened. They got some confidence back. I don't know if it was because they were playing at home in such a such a must-win scenario that they just, you know, that that inner competitor kind of came out. But man, when those two are on, and then that lets connect do his thing and Ganey come in and make a few threes and Awaka come in and get a few offensive rebounds. You're not relying on all those new guys to do everything when Ziegler and Vescovy do their thing. So a walk back team's healthy. Ziegler looks to be improving. Uh, I think we're starting to see the Tennessee we thought we would. Uh, and that Illinois team is no joke. I'm telling you right now, they're going to be up there at the top the whole season. Uh, and then as for Kentucky, I mean, you could argue in that Wilmington game, they didn't have DJ Wagner or Aaron Bradshaw. You know, that's huge uh, because in the last game, Bradshaw had 17 and 11. DJ Wagner goes 30 minutes for seven assists and only two turnovers. So those two guys mean a lot for this team. They didn't have them against Wilmington. Uh, both of these teams are kind of in the same scenario where they both just got some guys back and uh, are ready to hit the ground running here. I think it's right to group these two teams together above the rest. Yeah, I think so too. So uh, probably not a big surprise that for Tennessee and Kentucky here at 1-2, even though, like we said, it feels like 1-A, 1-B at this point, but um, I don't know. I may give the Vols a slight nod after the win over Illinois. Um, and slight having, nod to the Vols. Having those multiple, we said, top-tier wins, it feels like, to this point. So um, there you go. There are power rankings for uh, this week in SEC basketball. Of course, we'll have you guys covered with lots more SEC basketball coverage and, of course, SEC football as we get ready for bowl season. All that here at Southeastern 14. So do us a favor, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button as well. That helps us out. And as we said earlier, be sure to check out our friends at Bet Online. That also helps out the channel uh, big time. So uh, we appreciate you guys watching and/or listening as always. And we'll talk to you again here soon at Southeastern 14, presented by Bet Online.